You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of 21 Question, the question and answer podcast cold from the KCSN Discord. You're going to get questions about football, food, since it's the two of us, naturally. It's going to be food, music, life, you name it. We're going to answer it. And yes, there are a lot of questions about wide receivers this week. Here to help me answer them is my good pal and fellow KCSN host of Amateur Hour, Ryan Scott Hall. My friend, how are you doing today? Greg, I'm fantastic. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Did you say cold or pulled? Cold. Look at that. L-L-E-D. Look at that. That's a vocab word. I like that. (laughs) See, I I can get those words out for you. Mm-hmm. When I use those words on the lab, Kent and Maddie just, you know, they 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 give me all sorts of crap. Like the football guys. Yeah. They, that's yeah, the football guys. Yeah. I still remember using the word stanza a few weeks ago and it blew their brains. Tertiary blew their brains like the middle of last year. I was like, guys, come on now. Normal. Normal. I think that dirt purposely gets like figures of speech wrong just to see how I react. We'll take a Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I should start doing it more and leaning into it and just watch them just revisit over there. All right. We're going to start this week's question with probably one of the biggest ones here from the KCSN discord. Again, if you are not subscribed to KCSN daily, you can go to kcsn.substack.com, get all sorts of film breakdowns, analysis, written word, and all of that, and access to this KCSN Discord, which is my safe haven other than Twitter on game day because it's a little bit less reactionary. Maybe not right now. Coming from anti-lawman here, what did we all miss with Sky Moore? Ryan, what... what how do you feel about Sky Moore? I know that you were a fan just the same as the rest of us of him coming out of college. What do we miss? What do you think? Um, I think right now, like I, I, I say we're grasping at straws a little mm-hmm. bit because there's a lot of things about him um, and the perceived fit in the offense uh, that it, like when they when they decided to trade down and ultimately Sky is the one that's left, it's almost like man they threaded the needle on this one because he was such a good match here. I, I'll, I'll say this: um, if if anyone is not familiar with the profile on Sky Moore, he's a very grounded receiver, meaning he plays on the ground. He does mm-hmm. not jump and make contested catches and things like that, which is why the throw from Mahomes is kind of frustrating last night. Um, but Sky Moore was perceived as one of the best route runners in his class, particularly a lot of people talked about his releases off the line, being able to get open early in the route. And I feel like throughout most of the year, and I certainly don't watch as much tape as you do um, or many of the guys over at KCSN, um, and, or, or how many, you know, the, the level at which people understand the game, but what it's looked like to me throughout the season is that sky actually does kind of continue to get open early in the route, 
but the Chiefs aren't playing quickly. Um, and and he's not often the first read. And so if he's open in the first second and a half of the route, and but he's on the backside or whatever, Mahomes is looking somewhere else because of the design of the play, it's almost like Sky isn't really being played to his strengths, maybe. And I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm grasping at straws because I thought that it was a, going to be a really nice fit in the offense. And the way that they talked about him this offseason was pretty positive. I felt like him, and I'm I'm rambling, bear with me. No, you're good. Uh, but I, I felt like he had such a great like redemption arc in the playoffs, too, that was going to launch him into this important offseason and I mean, there was no reason for anybody to not be buying the hype because the Chiefs were selling it. You know, they're laying it on pretty thick, man. And so the defense was. Then the defense was. Yeah. I don't know if like they're as surprised as the Chiefs are. I don't know if Sky is just not a gamer. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but I got to a point last night after the game where I I just straight up said I don't care what the problem is anymore. The bottom line is that it's not working. Yeah. Um, and, and and so I'm just, I'm kind of sick of the back and forth, particularly about Sky Moore. And some of it is heartbreak, sure. But like, it doesn't really matter why it's not working. It is not working. And I need to see something else or I'm yeah. lose it a little bit. <laughs> and it's a... <laughs> Like you and everybody else. Yeah. I yeah, it is. And it's especially on a week where guys like Alec Pierce and Christian Watson, the two picks right in front of Sky Moore, it, they have good games. George Pickens, you know, that that's been debated to death, but you know, there there was always that okay, well, they traded back. Tyquan Thornton goes, you know, obviously a speedster. And then after that, there's a little series there. It's like, okay, well. Chiefs are going to get one of these guys. And I, too, sat there and went, holy cow, I can't believe they got Sky Moore. Sky Moore was the guy that I was hoping was going to be available when those guys were done. I think what you're, it, I, I think I agree with what you are saying here as far as where he is in the progression of things. I think a lot of these young receivers and even some of the not-so-young receivers, when they're the first read, Patrick is having to dwell on them maybe a little bit longer to make sure that they're open to make sure that they're running the route correctly and some of that. And then maybe by the time they get back to Sky Moore, if he was open, now he's not anymore. Or vice versa, if Sky Moore's the first read, there are a lot of instances where he's not open on time. Like maybe the route is supposed to break at five yards and it's breaking at six or seven, which is more of a, hey, Who's coaching these guys? Who's getting them ready for game day? Who's holding them accountable for some of those things? It's just all kind of bad. And Sky Moore has this all laid at his feet right now. For one reason or another, I actually feel the tides turning a little bit towards Marquez Valdez-Scantling all of a sudden. You know, it definitely feels like the the scapegoat for this receiver room has pivoted to MVS a lot more than Sky Moore over the past couple of weeks but it's still there. So it, it it's really rough to watch. I liked the profile. He was always going to be a guy that needed a little bit of time to develop, to get up to speed for an NFL game coming out of, you know, a smaller school like he was. But I think we're seeing right now that development is just not occurring. 
in Kansas City, uh, just kind of room-wide right now. So I, I don't know that it's a complete miss on Sky Moore yet, but it definitely feels like this organization and him, this offense, whoever it is, the first two years of this rookie contract are almost wasted from the expectation and the <clears throat> amount that had been put on his plate so far. And that sucks. That sucks to feel that way, especially about a guy you really like. Yeah. You know, two things here. Like, number one, just on Pickens, real quick, I, the, the thing that I think hurts the most is that his style of play is precisely what they're missing. Like, he keeps winning downfield. It's what his elite trait is, and the Chiefs don't have a downfield receiver. Um, his physicality and everything, the way that he that that he's such a ball winner. Uh, I I really liked George Pickens. Uh, oh, I loved it. Burns aside, um, but you know, you're talking about a five star guy that played at Georgia and Sky Moore. The second thing here is that what I didn't mention in his profile is that he'd only played wide receiver for three years. Yep. And he did so at a directional school in Michigan. All right. So like small school and certainly a, a lack of seasoning at the position. Not that every high school coach is, is really getting these guys where they need to be either. But like, I think that you're looking at maybe a, a confluence of events here where it's he was inexperienced. He didn't get a whole lot of coaching. Uh, he's in the Mac, right? Yeah, I think they're magic. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, and and then he comes to this team and he gets a running back coaching receivers last year, and now a first year wide receivers coach who played running back. Um, and frankly, I have some questions about Connor Embry's resume. I love that Andy's willing to take swings, sure, and and, and give these guys chances, but such an inexperienced coach with such an inexperienced group, you're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle there. That's the, can these guys feed off of each other? Yeah. And the answer yeah. is no. And so, like, they are going to have to pivot this offseason. And and really, I, I have a question for you. Can I add to our yes. list of questions? Yes, please do. Yes. All right. Craig, can the Chiefs build their wide receiver room or, frankly, even their offense, knowing the, the short leash of Kelsey's – leash is not the right word – but the 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 very time frame is coming up of, yeah. of Kelsey's career. Like, is Rasheed Rice the alpha for this team? Because if not, they have to find that guy for the rest of Mahomes' career. Like, yeah, that's... we love Rasheed Rice, but like, can they build this offense essentially around him, or are they going into this offseason saying we need the person that's going to play with Mahomes for the next ten years? I think that that is the case. I think they need the person that's going to play with Mahomes for the next 10 years, and that's not an indictment on Rasheed Rice. It's how they're using him right now. Like, again, like, hey, against the Green Bay Packers, I believe everybody, you know, kind of highlighting the fact that uh, there was a one yard, I believe it was one yard was hit the A dot when travel or when targeting Rasheed Rice, that's average depth of target. One yard. That's all it was. Green Bay was playing off. You're getting the ball into the hands of one of your best receivers and letting him run into the secondary. I don't have a problem with the usage, but it's been more of that than it has been, hey, Rasheed Rice is running this full route tree. Hey, we can count on him to line up and beat man coverage. It doesn't really matter who's going to be up there against him. You can count on him to be 
you know, non-top 10 corners time after time. That's not happening right now. So to try and push all the chips into the Rasheed Rice basket this offseason and saying, hey, listen, we're going to be fine. We're just going to build the offense around him doesn't really make sense to me. I think he is an ideal slash elite wide receiver too in this offense. Like if you had another guy that you can count on to beat man coverage to the point where defenses don't want to play as much man coverage, even if Travis Kelsey decides, hey, at the end of this year, I'm hanging him up, Rasheed Rice is your zone beater now. Like you've got the guy that can go out there and win in those areas of the field, can run into the secondary, break tackles, create after the catch. That's exactly what you want him to do. I just think you need another guy to be able to consistently do that this year. And whether or not that's because, it, you know, it, they're not trusting him to do that this year. And whether or not that's because, you know, they're seeing less you know, situational aspects where they can get him in some of those roles. If they just trust other guys in man coverage heavy teams, I'm, I'm not sure what it is yet. I just, it's an incomplete grade for Rasheed Rice based on the usage alone. But they can continue to use him that way, and I'm going to love him in Kansas City. The you know all four years of his rookie contract and beyond. I just think that they need another guy. I think that they've got to prioritize going and getting somebody with a skill set that doesn't need to quote unquote develop. Go get the guy that already has that toolbox. I think I, like so. I'm going to ask you another question, Greg. Hey, hey, that's fine. So, <laughs> if if you think about like. And let's just say an average year draft class. Mm -hmm. How many receivers? I don't care like where they end up getting drafted. How many receivers? What do you think is the hit rate on guys that can come in and like be a nuanced player like that? That don't just win in like one way or maybe two ways, but like what the Chiefs want and sometimes, don't get me wrong, like there might be a guy that's billed that way that doesn't hit in the first round, and then some sure. undrafted guy does. I'm just talking about bottom line, raw average data. How many guys are we looking at in an average cycle where the Chiefs even are are trying to find that person out of the 50 or so wide receivers that might end up on rosters? Yeah, maybe three. Like, I know that that seems very bleak, but that that's kind of where it is right now. That's that's why the Chiefs don't have one on their roster. It was why one of those things, when when they traded Tyreek Hill, the reports are, you know, it, who knows, you know, reports well after the fact were saying that the Chiefs turned down, you know, the Jets' number 11 pick, I believe, was what it was. It was, it was right there, right on the edge of the top 10, not quite in the top 10. Turned down the number 11 pick to get volume picks. I love Trent McDuffie. I love the fact that he is on this team. I am very ecstatic that he's there. This offense would look completely different with Chris Olave, oh. who went number eleven. Like, I mean, again, now you're, you, now you're speaking. I know. I'm just Olave saying, was my dude in that draft. Absolutely, but he had the nuance, the athletic ability, the skill set. He's playing in. Just a sad offense right now. So I know people are going to look at his stats and go, oh, what, what is happening right now? He's playing in a really sad offense right now. Chris Olave changes this team significantly on the offensive side of the ball. Now, defense isn't as good. Certainly isn't as good with, you know, without having a Trent McDuffie, a true blue chip player back there. So it's six and one, half dozen the other. I'm not saying one's wrong, yeah. but that's the level. That, that's where you got to be 
to get a guy like that in most drafts. So it, it, that's why it's so tough. Yeah. This is this is the reason I asked the question, and and we can probably put a pin in this here. I think that if we're all walking into this offseason trying to figure out like like what is the path here? How do we get that guy? You know, can the Chiefs, you know, try to replicate what the Falcons did when they traded up to get Julio Jones? Like, can they move from, you know, maybe the early to mid 20s, depending on if they drop a couple games here? Can they can they move from that spot up into the top 10 or something? It will be very difficult, I think. And so that's where if there's only going to be like three or four guys in a draft, maybe that can be that player. That to me says that the Chiefs are then going to have to start looking at other options and say, is there you know a snowball's chance in hell of getting T. Higgins on this team, of getting Terry McLaurin on this team, of getting Brandon Ayuk on this team? Like guys that are more established that you have to pay the money to, I think that that might end up being the alternative and uh, who knows if they even can between if you got to give up capital and money, that's going to be really difficult because they're short on both. Yes, absolutely. And it's why when you look at the way that this team, and this is more off season, you know, kind of building sort of stuff here. It's why when you sit and you start shaking out how the draft starts to go, these GMs have a good idea of who's going to be there and when all of that sort of stuff. It's one of those, like, the the year that they traded the first and the third for Frank Clark and paid him a whole bunch of money, the logic was, well, just trade up. It's such a good DE class. Just trade up. With those assets, they would have been trade up, been able to trade up for Montez Sweat. And Montez Sweat would have been your guy on a rookie contract for four years. You've got to weigh whether or not that rookie contract was worth it or getting the leadership, getting the ability of a Frank Clark was worth it. Certainly was worth it in 2019. It was for that for that first ring. Yeah, the rest of that y- you can debate and things like that, but that's where you got to lie. So when we're sitting here going, oh, yeah, round one receiver, no matter what. Yeah, what if four of them go in the first 11 picks and you just don't have a snowball's chance of ever getting one? Like, you don't. So then what? And you've got to look around. You've got to see who it is, that, what sort of assets you can trade, a team not wanting to pay a wide receiver. Hey, maybe you're willing to trade them some assets and pay the wide receiver simply because otherwise you're stuck with the same wide receiver room that you have right now. And nobody wants that. So, okay. That's really good. It's really good. How was, receiver. How was your first deep dive, Craig? That was basically. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Absolutely love that. All right. This, this is a great one here. AJ plot 21 it is kind of a, a similar argument that we were just having here. In hindsight, were we better off with a jag at right tackle, just a guy, meaning, you know, just kind of an average player, at right tackle, and actually paying market price for an average proven receiver? What do you think, Ryan? Um, I think that. Uh, it seems abundantly clear that Jawan Taylor, the minute they told him that he couldn't play the way that he's played for the last four years, that he was not as effective a player. Um, the Chiefs paid handsomely for an elite pass blocker, and between the penalties and the pressures and sacks that he's allowed, he's not. 
elite. He's not in that category right now. So that to me, I would say is like their, their big issue. Here's the question though. Like who's the receiver? Cause I don't, right. I don't, if I remember correctly, if I look back at that class, like, I mean, people are probably instantly going to jump to like Hopkins or something because he was That's actually on the street. Correct. Him and Odell were like yeah. the, the marquee names. They're, I, I could go back and look, but I really don't. Is there anybody that's on a new team this year that's like making waves out there? I mean, uh, Jacoby Myers has been pretty good. Myers, Myers Jacoby actually would have been nice. Yeah. 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 That, that's a guy that I think actually moves the needle for this offense there. If they but, do that, is he basically taking Sky Moore's job though? And they come into this, they're coming yeah. into this season betting on the young wide receivers. Like that's, yeah. you know, it, what they did. In, in you know hindsight, twenty twenty, and all we that. Didn't have Rashid. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Jacoby Myers for Rashid. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah, let, let's go ahead with with Jacoby Myers. Let's just do it. Like let's do that because he makes his football team better. In March, you're looking at this wide receiver room that Patrick Mahomes just elevated into you know the stratosphere for most of the year, along with Juju Smith Schuster, and you're going, okay, well. They're gambling on some young guys, and DeAndre Hopkins is still out there, and Odell Beckham Jr. is still out there. And maybe, maybe they can piece something together. So at the at the time, they didn't want to get into a scenario that they did in 2020, where Patrick Mahomes is running for his life behind a terrible offensive tackle class, you know, or offensive line. That's what I meant. So you look at that and you say, okay. Clark Hunt is paying half a billion dollars to one individual here. What what makes more sense? I know that keeping him happy is going to be priority number one. Keeping him healthy is priority one A in that scenario. So I'm still, I'm always going to build through the trenches. I'm always going to lean on that. As a matter of fact, get ready in this offseason for me to be pounding the table again for left tackle. Like I know what we saw from Wanye, but I had I'm I'm open. To a massive upgrade there, as long as it's not at the expense of some of these other things. So it, it is a fine balance there. I can see the the avenue towards this. So. Can I trade Jawan Taylor for Andrew Wiley and Jacoby Myers? Is that, <laughs> is that about the money? I mean, I In I don't have the value. I think it's kind I think of- it's close. It's it's close and. I don't now, know. now here's the thing. I don't know. They do help Jawan Taylor. I'm not saying they don't help Jawan Taylor, but as the season's gone along, they haven't had to help him as much. Against the Packers this week, he got beat badly once. Yeah, I don't think he's like been bad. Yeah, he's not been bad. As a matter of fact, he's one of the tackles with the longest time to pressure in the league right now. So, I mean, you look at it that way, and it's like, okay, that's good. Then you remember last year with you know, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley, where we spent so much time talking about how they're having to help both tackles. They can't get five out in the route, you know, and that sort of stuff. If you're having to help Donovan Smith or Wanya Morris, you want a guy that you can put on an island a little bit more regularly. Not saying that he's been great, but yeah, I, I, I don't know there. I'm going to love You're, you're going to love this question. And I do too. And I think that this individual saying it maybe a little bit tongue in cheek. You can correct me later if this is the case. Kyle C. asks, is this team the most frustrating team that you have ever covered, Ryan? No. 
No. <laughs> no. Uh, the most frustrating Patrick Mahomes team? Sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, but even, I don't know. I mean, how about definitely the most frustrating Patrick Mahomes offense? Uh, mm-hmm. No question about that. Yes. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, every season has its fits and starts. And like, I, I think that the chiefs were more frustrating, uh, the entire Alex Smith experience, um, mostly because you just knew. So like Patrick Mahomes, the way that he's having to play this season, uh, like what, what we're all like waking up, uh, on, on Monday after the Sunday night Packers loss, what we're all waking up to realize is that the one turnover, albeit you know very very late in the the course of this game, um, the Chiefs can't overcome stuff like that. They can't overcome one penalty in the red zone. It was two, uh, but regardless, like these little, tiny little mistakes, the Chiefs don't have everything they need to overcome that stuff this year. And so basically, Patrick Mahomes has to be perfect. And it's kind of like the opposite. I made this comparison a few weeks ago on Amateur Hour, and I don't know if everybody followed it, but I, I tried my best. It's like the opposite of what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. Pat has to be perfect because everything else on the offense is like kind of a mess sometimes. Um, and when Alex was here, it was everything else has to be as perfect as possible because we know these limitations of Alex. We need the defense to lift him up. We need the playmakers to lift him up. We need to have the best special teams in the league. We have to do these things to try to get to a Super Bowl. Um, And now we're, unfortunately, even with, in my opinion, the best defense in the NFL and the best quarterback that's ever played the game and the best tight end that's ever played the game, I still think that we have found that Patrick Mahomes is not just like beyond reproach. Yes. The margins are too thin. The AFC is too competitive, and they keep drafting quarterbacks every year. and And they all seem to hit. DJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson both seem oh. like they're going to be good players. They just got added to the field in the AFC. I mean, like it's so stacked because of what Patrick Mahomes has been able to accomplish that the Chiefs and and thankfully they are to me a very aggressive front office. Mm-hmm. They are going to make a large number of people <laughs> this season. They are going to be a large number of changes. No matter how this season goes, the writing is on the wall. A lot is going to change. They're going to be a very different football team next year. And I don't think that's necessarily due strictly to these frustrations. Some of it is just the timing. But I think that the way that Veach has attacked other positions, he's going to attack the weaknesses on the scene. That's what he does. He's going to use the resources that he has at his disposal. They're going to be really creative. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not even trying to put myself in the off season, but sure. It's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's the most frustrating Patrick Mahomes offense of his career. It's the worst statistical year uh, that he's had, particularly when healthy of his career. And I don't think it's really all that close. Um, It's, it's been hard. It has been really hard to watch. And going back to what you were saying about the Alex Smith thing, it's why so many people now look at this offense and just say, we should run the ball more. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this team should run the ball. We as fans have been conditioned to 
okay, everything's dink and dunk. Everything has to be, you know, super efficient, perfect in the passing game. Let's just lean on that run game. Jamal's walking through that door, right? Oh, wait, damn it. No, he's not. Isaiah Stack has been pretty good this season. Don't get me wrong. I, I've, I've been very happy with him, but Andy Reid isn't going to build this offense out of the run game with Patrick Mahomes back there and with Travis Kelsey as a tight end. And no, this is not the most frustrating team I've ever covered. I covered this team back in 2012. And if it did, yeah, Ryan too. That was frustrating because it was a hopeless. Like you knew that this, that they were done. Like this, that offense was garbage. We have spent so much time talking about how bad this Patrick Mahomes offense is, buddy. That offense would have made the Los Angeles Chargers New England Patriots game this past weekend look stellar, look like an offensive, you know, kind of firebomb out there. That offense was terrible. That defense had so many good players on it, and they could not put anything together. And then there was a major incident that occurred at the stadium, and it just, that was hell to cover. So every time we talk about, Oh, is this frustrating to cover? Is this suck to cover? No, no. I, I, I've been through those seasons. Those were awful. So speaking of things that are not awful, like the current Chiefs, and you like that transition, we're going to take a break and we will be right back after this. Oh, that was great. <laughs> What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. Say hello to a stressless holiday season with the help of HelloFresh. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered straight to your door. Spend your time this holiday season shopping for gifts and sipping cocoa, not stuck in the checkout line. Sign up for HelloFresh and get everything you need to whip up a fresh, tasty meal delivered to your door. Just choose your recipes, select the delivery date, and relax knowing dinner is on the way. You can make hosting this holiday season a joy rather than a hassle with the help of HelloFresh Market. From crowd-pleasing charcuterie boards to photo-worthy desserts, it's easy to add these party pleasers to your weekly order, saving you so much time. With how easy HelloFresh makes it with all the ingredients, it can also be an opportunity to cook with your family during this season and make things fun with your family. Go to HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree and use code KCSNFree for free breakfast for life. That's one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash KCSNFree with code KCSNFree. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holiday season can be a time of great joy and celebration, but it can also bring extra added stress to your life. Whether that's stress from traveling, stress from spending time with family, or financial stress, it can be a time of ups and downs this time of season during the holidays. This time of year, you might be spending a lot of time thinking about others, getting gifts for your family or friends, but it could also be the right time for you to think about yourself as well. That could mean going easy on yourself in tough moments. A great option to help yourself through tough times this holiday season could be therapy. It can help you talk through tough times in your life. 
It can help you prepare emotionally for things you might experience in your life and help keep you grounded during what could be a stressful holiday season. It can be helpful in learning positive coping skills or how to set boundaries, and it can empower you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash KCSN for 10% off your first month. Hey everyone, this is BJ Kissel. We'll get right back to the show. I just need a minute to share some important news, but as always, thank you for the support. The KCSN Foundation just launched our third annual Soul of KC Holiday Raffle and Toy Drive and it benefits Operation Breakthrough's Christmas Store. This campaign has raised more than $35,000 over the past two years, helping provide a better Christmas for kids in our community. And it's simple. We sell raffle tickets for a chance to win any of the more than 20 fantastic prizes that we have available this year. It's things like a Travis Kelsey autographed full-size Chiefs helmet, or a Chris Jones autographed jersey, a George Karloftis jersey. How about a Patrick Mahomes autographed mini helmet? We've got gift cards to local restaurants like Capitol Grill, Mission Taco Joint, or Third Street Social. You can find the full list of prizes on our social media accounts, or you can click the link in the description of this show. Again, all of the proceeds go to buying presents for Operation Breakthrough's Christmas store, and you can get tickets now through December 4th. Help us continue to help others, because that's what the KCSN Foundation is all about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back. We got more questions here. We, we've made it through a solid, like, two, is that two or three, Ryan? This, this is what happens when you and I get together, man. Having, having a great time. Having a great time. Apes of Spades asked the question, do you think there's a chance that MBS would have gotten the pass interference call if he was able to consistently show that he could catch a football even when there isn't a man being his human backpack? <laughs> uh, there were some really good tweets that it was just like, I think they made the right... I, what was that? PFT, I think he said. Uh, he said that... Uh, it was uncatchable. The, yeah, the flag. They, they targeted MBS, so there's no way that it was catchable. Um, I mean, get your jokes off. It's fine. I think that, uh, as you said earlier in the show, Craig, like it does seem like MBS has kind of become the scapegoat a little bit. Um, and I mean, it's, it's weird that he's only been targeted like 
30 times or something so far this year. Like it's, it's so low compared to where it was at last year. Um, it's, it's, it's been a, been a bad year for, uh, for Marquez. And I would imagine that he will be on the street in February. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you're seeing right there at the end of the game, you saw a lot of Marquez Valdez Gantling. Some of that is because the Chiefs are running hurry up. Like you, really? you're, you're seeing him out there having to coach wide receivers on where to stand these young guys, which man, watch it, watching the way that some of these wide receivers run these routes drift, you know, as, as they start to go downfield and things like that. I am seeing an awful lot of similarities between the way that MVS does things and the way that the Sky Moors do things, the way that, you know, the Rashi Rices do things. Like, it's not great. So I, I, I know that some of that is rubbing off on him. But at the beginning of the year, he, or beginning of the year, beginning of the game uh, against the Packers, this team's not using him as much. Like, there's a lot of situations where it's Kadarius Tony, Rasheed Rice, and Sky Moore on the field together. And honestly, that's great. Like, lean into that more. I think that they're slowly phasing him out. I think that the lack of targets should tell you everything you need to know about where you see, you know, Marquez Valdez Gantling next year. So we'll see. But that seems like one of the easiest moves that the Chiefs are going to make this offseason. Just. Really, they've a big chunk of money. It's double digit million dollars to release yeah. him, and very, very little penalty. Um, he was brought in to stabilize the room, and I he he certainly contributed on the way to a Super Bowl last year. But I think it's clear that it's over. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. All right, I, I like this one too. Uh, Just DRK asks: Is the 2014 group of wide receivers that caught zero touchdown passes better? than this wide receiver group. For those who don't remember <laughs> that wide receiver group, it's not great. Travis Kelsey was still there. He led all players, 862 yards. Dwayne Bowe was on that team. Um, didn't have touchdown, had 754 yards. Albert Wilson, Donnie Avery, Jason Afon, Junior Hemingway, A.J. Jenkins, Frank Hammond, uh, you know... I, those are those are a lot of blasts from the past, Ryan. I I feel pretty confident in saying that this wide receiver group, despite all of our hatred for them, is better as a whole than that group. Would you care to argue as the resident Dwayne Bow fan? <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about oh how it might have fallen because we were walking into this season talking about the depth in the receiver room and oh my, oh my goodness, are they gonna? We're going to keep more than six for the first time in Andy Reid's life. And da da da. Um, I, you know, honestly, uh, the name that really jumped off the page is not a wide receiver from 2014, but a uh, tight end, Philip Supernom. Totally, totally forgot about him. Um, that's, that's like deep in the His Darkness archives there. Um, I have soft spots for Dwayne Bow, Albert Wilson, yeah. and Donnie Avery. Um, and Andy Reid loves Jason Avant. Um, honestly, I part of me thinks that Jason Avant could be the Chiefs wide receiver coach. Like, you know, hey. that's like a type of, he played for Andy, you know, I mean, Greg, what's what, he doing right now? Hang on. You know, stuff like that, that like, and he's got a few guys uh, that he might might want to reach out to. Um, 
no, this this wide receiver room, um, to me, like Rasheed Rice is a is a special player. I think that the ceiling on him, um, he reminds me quite a bit of Debo Samuel. Um, just how how kind of aggressive and explosive he is. Um, I don't know uh, if he if he is as good with the ball in his hands. Uh, but that's what they talk about. You know, the, he he looks like a running back once you get him the ball. And there's a lot of manufactured stuff for Debo. And let's run the drag. Let's run those. You know, sometimes he'll get some deeper throws too. But um, I think that that's like a ceiling for Rasheed. Uh, but, you know, I, I would say by 2014, Dwayne was uh, probably heading southward. Uh, that was like year six or seven for him. At that point, and you know, um, he always loved Sonic. So he did. He did. What's the? I, I can't remember who told the story. It, it's kind of a, a old wives' tale at this point, where somebody asked him, you know, how he gains separation, how he gets himself open, and all of that. Is they it, no, no. Alex just needs to throw me the ball. I'm always open. Like I, I don't need. I don't need to get separation. I'm always open. Like that. That. That was his mentality. And I mean, it's that's kind of the way that he played football. And not that that's a bad thing, but you know, I I look at this, and Dwayne Bow is the only wide receiver on that list that is probably better than the rest of the Chiefs wide receivers. I know what we feel about the rest of these wide receiver groups. That Albert Wilson season, he had 260 yards receiving. Like mm-hmm. it's not like. I, I know we all remember him with Patrick Mahomes and what he kind of turned into a little bit there in Miami and some of his preseason stuff. It's not like he was lighting the world on fire. Like, no, no. no. Just, and in other words, he was uh, he was Sky Moore before Sky Moore. Uh, yeah, I, I, that had some speed and seemed like he had some route running chops. Uh, now he was undrafted and Sky Moore was not, but also went to a small school. And, you know, he just kind of put together a couple years and, like, there would be this flash and you'd be like, oh, there it is. There it is. I recognize that. Oh, and now this guy, you know, they're just few and far between. Yeah. I like that. Um, Albert Wilson, Sky Moore. I know. know, It just kind of buries it. just works. Hey, hey, Sky in 2014, we all would have been talking about Sky as he went towards 260 yards receiving again. I, and, you know, and shout out to our guy, his darkness for, uh, Anthony Fasano was on that team. Where is he? Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> 2012, uh, you know, that, that season birthed amateur hour. And so 2014, like, where are we yeah, going in 2014? Yeah. Like, we're, yeah. we're feeling like vets by that time. Yeah, we we were we were born in the fire. We know what this is like. Yeah, that's what you were. Uh, let's see here. Rugby Fox asks, "What's your favorite type of Christmas cookie, Brian?" Ooh, uh, so I don't know what does and does not fit into the Christmas cookie category. Um, but my mom, uh, so my mom always owned her own business. She uh, was like, a, a, she cleaned people's homes, wealthy people here in Kansas city. Um, and so every year as Christmas gifts, she would spend like a week and employ my sister and I, and we would be making all these different types of Christmas cookies. 
in these giant batches. And then she would, you know, give a few of all the different kinds on like a big platter to each one of her clients. This is a thing my mom did every single year. So like we would have chocolate covered pretzels and those little, I think people call them like wedding cookies yeah, whatever, you know, yes. things they're like pecans in them. And I don't know, whatever they tasted like flour to me. I never thought they were good. Um, <clears throat> you know, my mom did all these different things. And my two favorites that she always made at Christmas time were lemon bars, which I will take any time of the year. I don't know if that's a Christmas thing or not. Uh, one of my favorite desserts, period. Um, she also made these things and it was like pretzels and peanuts and like Chex Mix. And it had both marshmallow and peanut butter. She just called them like peanut butter bowls, but they're like crunchy and just like a little chewy, like enough. It's not really a rice crispy thing. But oh man, give me anything peanut butter is usually where I'm at. And specifically the combination of chocolate and peanut butter is really like the, the perfect intersection of flavors for me. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I want. Any, any yeah. that has nuts is probably a good thing for me too. A uh, big nuts guy. Big nuts guy. Yeah. Everybody, everybody clip that. <laughs> nuts guy. God, I could go for some lemon bars right now. That that's one of my yeah. favorite things. I am not a big dessert guy, but lemon bars, oh yeah. All house I'm, and snickerdoodle cookies. Like oh, I know that mm, yes. I, I I know that that's not necessarily traditionally seen as like a Christmas thing, but man, my mom used to make them and you know, I I've been fortunate enough to know enough people that were really good bakers. They've made really excellent snickerdoodle cookies. Like I'm to the point now where I am so spoiled that when I get Jeff Allen's Cookie Society cookies, his snickerdoodle ones, I'm like, yeah, this is the level of snickerdoodle cookie that I've been having my whole life. And that's not normal. <laughs> that is not normal. And just, oh, I love a good dude. Cookie Holy Society time. is all. Holy cow. Those things. Are profound. Spoiled me, man. I got cookie shops around here, and I'm just like, nah, no, I can't. I go in there. I get mine shipped in from Dallas, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so, what I find interesting about the Christmas cookie discussion is that maybe, maybe the chocolate chip cookie is just so universal that it doesn't have a season. But yeah. like, that's what people leave out for Santa, right? It's chocolate chip. And a mm -hmm. glass of milk. Um, are are you you guys leave out cookies and milk? Your kids are that young, right? Like, oh yes, yes. Okay. Seven year old, the two year old is yeah, okay. definitely. Um, do you guys do Elf on the Shelf? No, thank God, because I do not have the cognitive capacity to move that every night. Yeah, that's that's the thing that it has, he has to move all the time. Yeah. Um, do you are you guys gonna like put? Do you, do you like make the cookies? Is it like a whole fam? See, that's awesome. Like, you know, I, I just got married. Like I'm very excited to do all this family stuff. I, I was living alone for the last, you know, 15 years or something, most of the time. So we never had a Christmas tree. And now I've got, I put up a Christmas tree this year with the girls. I'm like, we've done all this family stuff. Last year we did gingerbread houses. Oh, we yeah. sold we'll gingerbread houses again on Christmas Eve. That's like kind of our thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, my stepdaughter's 14. Um, and like, dude, the, the, the family stuff loving that. So maybe we'll oh. need to make our cookies this year. Yeah. Even if it's just like, 
one of the packages or something because we're not great at baking. Sure, but oh, the, anything else, just you, don't have me to bake. It's the it's the thing, and, and I've found here, and it's funny because like it, I'm super tangent here, but uh, like with my seven year old, two year old, still a little too young to to like help. It, other than like here, pour this into the thing and do that. But my seven year old really loves cooking. Now, if you ask her about it, she hates it. But it's one of those things that the moment she starts doing, oh, I I love this. I want to do this. I, I want to keep doing this. And so trying to get her more integrated into things like that and has the side benefit of ruining the chance to be picky when food is on the table <laughs> because it's like, hey, you made this. We're doing that a lot with, you know, like this holiday gatherings and holiday things like that. Just being able to say, okay, well, you're taking part in some of the preparations of this, you know, small stuff. It's not like I'm saying, Hey, you know, go base the Turkey. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> take it, take it on some of the smaller things, preparing a vegetable or something like that, that I know that she's probably not going to eat. Now all of a sudden she's participated in it. So hey, ah, I feel like eating this now I'm going to try it because I had a hand in that. So trying to lean into some of that a little bit more. So it's clever, clever. I, every once in a while I have good ideas. All right. Nuja says, what's the overall consensus on how Wanye Morris performed in relief of Donovan Smith? What were your, what were your takes on that? I gave mine on the post game. So I want, I want to hear. Uh, I hardly noticed that Wanye was in the game. If the announcers wouldn't have told me, if they wouldn't have showed Donovan Smith on the sideline wincing. And it seemed like maybe it was kind of a, like a hip to me. He did that, that kind of, Oh, I'm like touching my lower back, but it mm-hmm. seems like it's me on the side a little. Let's see. I've I've made that move many times. Um, you know, this morning. I right. <laughs> um, I I will trust uh Matt Lane's opinion, who has said that he was very physical in the run game, um, and that he didn't really make mistakes in the passing game. Um, I think even on the sack. Uh, that came from his side. Dirk was like, you can't have this happen. And Mitch Schwartz was like, that wasn't his fault. Um, so, you know, I I think that he was totally acceptable. Uh, I mean, our guy Bear said, like, just start Wanya from here on yeah. out. What's a lose, really? Um, if nothing else, you have one of your shopping list marked off this offseason. Uh, if it works out. And honestly, I'm kind of at that point. I don't think that like the difference between Donovan Smith and Wanya Morris is what would prevent the Chiefs from winning a Super Bowl. I don't think that 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 change is so significant that it suddenly puts the Chiefs in a position where like, well, we just got worse and and we're so close to these other teams that we can't afford to get worse. I, I don't think that that's it. I mean, Donovan Smith, as a veteran, that being such an asset for him, I kind of thought that like he's not going to get penalized because he knows where to put his hands and he knows these ref crews and he knows how to do this, that, and the other. And that's just not the case, you know? And and when Donovan Smith has been healthy in his career, he's been average or slightly above. And when he's played through injury, he's been very bad. And so if he is not 100% healthy, then they don't need to put him out there because they have a young, hungry, athletic, powerful player that they need to figure something out about. So, I mean, yeah. that's the advantage of having a guy like Wanya on the team 
is we don't have to push Donovan Smith in the lineup. Completely agree. But here, I'm going to counterpoint that just because I put this in the Discord and Please. I want people to be worried about it from the perspective of how Andy Reid treats players. If Donovan Smith is healthy and they have a choice between Wanye Morris and Donovan Smith, again, all things are equal in this scenario. And I'm not saying that they are right now. All things are equal in this scenario. Donovan Smith is 100% starting. Oh, yeah. Because Andy Reid is going to take care of that guy. He's on a one-year deal. Wanye Morris has runway in front of him right now. Andy Reid wants Donovan Smith to go somewhere next year, get a nice, fat contract. He wants, you know, again, not saying that he will. He's going to do everything in his power to put him in the place to go do that. We can talk about Orlando Brown Jr. and how his time ended with the Kansas City Chiefs and all of that. Andy Reid, in this same scenario, is putting Orlando Brown Jr. out there and trying to have him have the best possible season so that he can go get his money. Andy Reid talks about it all the time. Like he, His job is to help these guys make money, and so he's going to do that for Donovan Smith. So keep that in mind as they come down the stretch run. I'm with you. Like If Donovan Smith is a little bit banged up, rest him. Get him healthy. Yeah. Let, let Wanye run for a little while here, and then when things are equal again, again, equal, we'll, we'll see how the Andes judge that, but if things are equal, Andy Reid's going to run Donovan Smith out there so he can try and get that contract. So... He's a player's coach, man. He is a player's coach. That's what it means sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, I know know everybody's reaction is just going to be, hey, well, then Donovan Smith's going to cost him all the... Again, I'm saying all things are equal here. He's going to play the guy that that he believes can get a bigger contract, even if he's like, hey, listen, this is probably better for us long-term if Wanye plays. He's still going to treat the the players with that sort of respect there. Mm. All right. Nick Johnston asks, what season had your favorite AHPKC intro? Which was your favorite to do? Because I can tell you that every year is my favorite. Like every single time you create a new one, I'm like, I, I can't believe the, the, uh, that we're treated to this. Well, I think in terms of what, keep in mind that we never had anyone's permission for any of the things that we did. Ever. <laughs> Um, don't ask, don't tell on our intros. Um, I think the one that Dirk and I probably liked the most, uh, I don't even know that it had anything to do with like my creativity. Um, but we had for a while, we were using this mashup that a DJ did of Tame Impala and Kanye West. And this was before Kanye had really lost his mind. Um, and these were like two of our favorite things to listen to. Um, and so this mashup was was really awesome. Um, and then I believe uh, the year that uh, whatever episode seven of Star Wars came out, uh, we took the like tiny little build up at the beginning of Star Wars before you actually get the. Duh, 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 duh. Uh, whatever we put it all together. That was really fun. Uh, of the ones that I have like rewritten lyrics, um, this year, I don't find myself like wanting to listen to the intro over and over, um, because it's acapella and I feel weird. Uh, I like doing the, the Burger King song parody. Um, 
but I would say that probably the uh, the song that I want to hear all the time that like kind of lives rent free in my head is uh, either either last year's yeah. uh, the September, September. Uh, was was really good, but I I also really liked Louie Louie. Um, that, that, I, I liked that one too. Amateur yeah. Hour is the best podcast in the world. Um, and, and we just, I, you know, honestly, most of those were me doing my own deep dives and just like trying to tinker with language. Uh, you know, I'm, i I'm an English teacher, so it was fun to just kind of rewrite lyrics to songs and see if I could make it work. Uh, but by the time I was done with like 12 takes trying to get it right, I'd be hoarse. And I'm like, I don't even know how to sing anyway. Uh, don't worry. Nobody's listening anyway, but yeah, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Plus now. When you guys are doing live stuff now, now you're sitting through the intro, like yeah. live. Well, we always. I know you guys did. Yeah, yeah, you you did. You sat through it, but you're live, and now it's okay. We're going into it. We're live, and all of that. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's just it's a little different beast. Yeah. So mm. anyway, so it is. Uh, Steve Gray says, "Do you guys have a nickname for Rasheed Rice yet?" You know, uh, so Dirk has been uh, like workshopping the Chief's Cake menu, uh, the Chief's Cake factory, because Andy is known for having all these different plays and they always talked about how it was a menu. Um, And so he's been doing all these food based nicknames on offense that you've got Clyde Edwards E. Claire, you've got Jerk McChicken. We've got Kadarius Rigas. is my favorite. Uh, It's just, I mean, it's it's in another stratosphere of nicknames, and I just absolutely love everything about McKinnon and McChicken. Yeah. Um, I I don't think that we have one for Rice. I will say that I find myself, and some of this is my buddy Steve rubbing off on me, but like, I find myself when he makes a play, I just want to be like rice, rice, baby. Yes. Um, like, cause it's just easy. Um, I call him uh rice bow, uh, which is not anything other than you just trying to point out that he is Dwayne bow in a lot of ways. Um, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. Um, yeah. uh, but man, he's, there's something in there somewhere. And you know, most of the time the, the nicknames come from Dirk. Uh, and so I'm sure he is probably still kind of working, workshopping. You don't want to rush it. You don't want to rush these things. No, 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 no. It, it's got to come natural because when you rush it, you don't get the jerk McChickens, right? <laughs> and you know what's ridiculous is I think everybody on the planet spent like three seasons trying to figure out what Mahomes' nickname was going to be. And none of us call him anything other than Al Holmes. No. Like, that's it. It's sometimes it might get. Patrick becomes Pat or Patty, uh, you know, Levon, I get, you know, sure. but like sh- Showtime that came and went, you know, yeah. all Dirk kind of called him the kid. Uh, but you know, nicknames are fun. Yeah. I like nicknames. It is. it is. It is. I know in the discord, just when you, you know, exclamation point rice, the, the bot in there just posts a whole bunch of rice emojis in a row. Like that, that yeah. that's all it is at this point. And everybody just likes to do that, especially when, like me on YouTube TV is seeing things approximately half a day later than everybody else. Um, you know, (laughs) it's fun to watch and see everybody get really excited about a Rasheed Rice play. And then it turns out it's like a nine yard gain or something. I'm like, you guys just really like using the chat. 
I, I see how this is. I think, yeah. honestly, there there's more potential in Rashi than there is in Rice. Like I would agree tempted, with that. We're tempted by Rice, mm-hmm. but I think that the real playground might be Rashi, potentially. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Casey from KC says, when is the last time you guys actually attended a game at Arrowhead? I know when my last time was. It was with you um, at the AFC Championship game against the New England Patriots that ended in overtime in Patrick Mahomes's, you know, that 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 same year. No, that's no, not Craig. The last is it not? I think the last game that you and I attended together uh, would have been the Houston divisional round game when we were down twenty eight in twenty nineteen or twenty four. Oh my goodness, I was conflating that with the yeah. same year. I thought that was earlier on in the playoffs. You're absolutely right. It was the Houston uh, game. The, the Houston game, uh, which I have on my wall, uh, you can't see it, but it's it's up there. Uh, but yeah, the when the Chiefs were down twenty four nothing to Deshaun Watson pre peta not peta whatever bad yeah. he was doing uh, it pre but... pre <laughs> pre predatory actions. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that was uh, that was probably the best sporting event I've ever been to in my life. Actually. That was really fun. Um, hey, there's a couple sporting KC games that might rival it, but uh, but it was up there. We hung a lot. When that was fun. <laughs> down 24 to nothing in the first quarter, and like it hasn't even settled in yet. Uh, you haven't sat down yet. Yeah. Um, haven't even had a chance to take a breath, and you know it's it's. Dirk and I and and you and Bear with the four of us. Um, and like then they are up at halftime. And yeah. I mean, by I I at halftime go out onto the concourse and ran into a guy uh that I grew up around, who's one of my best friends, his older brother. And like the game was so crazy that it we didn't even have the like, oh my god, hey, let's have a hold. We saw each other and we're just like Holy shit. Could you believe it? Yeah. yeah. Wild. Like uh, like exhausted at halftime from that roller coaster. It was wild. Uh is that is that the last one you went to though? Uh the last Chiefs game that I attended, actually, that I think that was the last game at Arrowhead. Um, the last game that I attended uh was out at SoFi with Dirk. Uh, when Travis Kelsey ran off in overtime and he had 180 and two touchdowns or something. Um, absolutely sensational game. I believe that was two Decembers ago. Um, that was that was really great. Honestly, dude, the, the problem with having a guy like Patrick Mahomes and winning two Super Bowls is that it is, you know, it is so expensive to see a Chiefs game. Um, it is cheaper for me. To go watch them here at Denver than it is oh. when I was in the area and could actually go to Arrowhead when I wanted to. It was like, yeah, it's ridiculous. I, un, unless you know you're doing really well financially, uh, it's a really big commitment to get out there uh, to pay all that money and and to give up really an entire day. Um, it's it's a lot. And then on top of that, now I'm you know doing post-game shows and covering the team and stuff like and now all of a sudden it's just one of those like man it's a whole lot of things that got to be in place yeah get me out there. i'll get back out 
I will. Uh, my, my time is not over with that, but definitely just kind of enjoying all of that right now. Mm-hmm. And that's going to transition us into the last one here. And I'm going to look at this one kind of holistically here because Christian Gummacher, our guy, who's in charge of the KCSN Foundation. This is a massive week for the KCSN Foundation. We've raised a ton of money for Solar KC. Looking forward to, you know, getting to spend that money on kids, holiday gifts, all that wonderful. We thank you all so much for your donations. I can't wait for all those raffles to happen because there's a lot of awesome gifts and there's going to be a lot of people that are very excited about it. But the best part for us is all the donations and being able to give back to the community in a meaningful way here. Christian Gummager says, you know, talking to me specifically here, how's Colorado? Is it easier taking a loss when you have beautiful landscapes to look at? I'm going to reverse this just a little bit. That's a good question. Losses now uh, are so much different for me. Yeah, they're frustrating. I get being angry. I get being frustrated. I understand the fan frustration. I went through, we talked about 2012. Been covering this team since 2009 when Todd Haley and Scott Pioli showed up. And buddy, there was all kinds of hype around that team and what they were going to do. And finally, it's time. I was born the year that Todd Blackledge was drafted in the first round, and it scarred this organization so much they didn't take a chance on another first-round quarterback until Patrick Mahomes. Like It has been a roller coaster ride for me as a fan. Seeing two Super Bowls is like, for lack of a better term, a beta blocker. Like, I don't get <laughs> as low anymore when that all happens. Yeah, I'm mad about it. You know, it is what it is. It's so much easier taking a loss, not just because I you know, get to go do the things that I'm moved out here to go do. It's so much easier because we finally got over the hump, and not just once, but twice. Like, Patrick Mahomes is going in the Hall of Fame. Andy Reid's going in the Hall of Fame. This team has multiple Lombardis from this generation of players. It is really hard for me, and will be if the Chiefs bow out of the playoffs, would be really hard for me to be as angry as I used to be about this team. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. I used to just be incensed after this sort of stuff. And now it's kind of like, man, that sucked. It's a good thing that this team has won a whole bunch lately and especially right. championships and especially rings because, you know, otherwise it would, it would suck a little bit more, but it doesn't like, so I don't get as low anymore with some of that stuff. So I, I don't know about you though. Like, I, I don't know how you feel about that if you're still having the same kind of fan reactions that you did back before. Well, there is this, like, <clears throat> you know, very guttural sense of satisfaction, you know, deep down in the loins because we've won two Super Bowls. And so at the end of the day, I it's it's hard to muster up maybe the same level and this you know we talk about this with athletes too um and Dirk and I are always in peak physical condition so you know I I like to draw that comparison but I I think I don't know what you're talking about you guys are peak physical condition both of you I I think that what it boils down to for me how it's changed is that now because of those super and because of that infrastructure, my expectations are very high. 
And most weeks I walk into the game and so do the Sharps in Vegas and everybody else thinking the Chiefs are the best team in the league. The Chiefs are the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. They're the betting favorite to win basically every game on their schedule. And so it's a different kind of disappointment, you know? Like there was a certain expectation about what the Chiefs could and could not accomplish pre-Mahomes. And now what he's done delivering these Super Bowls, now any season that they don't win a Super Bowl is kind of a disappointment. You know, it's just, it's just a, it's a very, very different thing. And when you're desperate and, and trying to, to reach that pinnacle and you get, I say so close, but God, we didn't even win a playoff game for, I I was going to say there, um, but just all of those losses, how catastrophic they felt, particularly the playoff blunders. Um, yeah, they hit different for sure. Um, but now you're almost just like a, you feel like a parent a little bit. And it's the, I'm just, I'm, I'm not mad, you know, I'm not mad, but I am disappointed guys. Right. Um, you kind of have to like try to try to use logic on them occasionally so that you're not just spanking or whatever, you know, I, I guess I just, um, my brain has shifted post Super Bowls, uh, but to actually try to attempt to answer Christian's question. If I were living in Colorado, Christian, that is precisely the thing that I would need to cheer up is the scenery. But out here in whatever this place is called, my subdivision is like River Oaks. Uh, you know, I take a Sounds walk. like you got a river and an oak to look at at the very least. It's it's fine, you know. Grandview is nice. Uh, nice enough. And, and, and there's a former golf course in our property so i could just still i walk around you know i'll that's what i'm a walker right that's how i usually try to get those things off i think that dirk uh has many times pre mahomes after a playoff loss like stumbled around drunkenly in the snow and kicked people's trash cans and like done things worthy of amateur hour um and i don't think he does that anymore he probably yeah. walks to the beach, though, like Christian is suggesting. Dirk is now, he gets to just like walk in a mile and he's staring at the sunset in the ocean and he's got two Super Bowl rings and he's just happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that it, it really does kind of shift it. I think the Patriots broke our collective fan brains for a little bit there with the amount of success. And now it's to the point where. We're thinking about Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team as, man, wouldn't it be nice if this team were to supplant that dynasty? Be the one. Like, I, I, I just be the one that's able to do some of that. Patriots went 10 years without winning one. 10. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's not like everything was all sunshine and rainbows for them all the time. They had several different iterations. There was a point where they too went all in on offensive weapons and it really paid off. Like there, there are going to be shifts in dynamics in the NFL, but just the way that it is, it's about continuing to create, about continuing to modify and adapt. And Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and doggone it, even Steve Spagnolo has have gotten really, really good at that. So 
they're in good hands. We know they're in good hands and, you know, helps thinking about it that way a little bit more when you're thinking about it moving forward. That's going to do it for 21 questions for this week. I thank Ryan for joining me. This was a really great one. Love getting to talk to one of my best pals out here, especially in this format about the Chiefs, life, everything like that. So thank you, buddy. Um, if you have not looked, make sure that you're tuning in. The KCSN Foundation, we're going to be posting a video of you know our time at Dick's Sporting Goods buying toys for these kids. If you can watch that without crying, I, 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 don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. So uh, get, get in there. Be anticipating that. We're going to put that out there. That's always a, a, a good thing that we're always very, very proud of. Thank you all so much for listening to this over an hour podcast. Be kind to each other, and we will catch you later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.